Okay. Okay, folks. Uh, right. Hang on. Hey! Hey! <laughs> right. Okay, folks. Podcast start now. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you heard nothing. Podcast start now. We've, we can't mess about. We can't mess about. It's it's a big week. A lot of fucking shit occurred. And it happened, like, within a day of our recording instead of yeah, immediately it ha- after. It for once happened at a time where we can actually talk about it while it's relevant. Right? That never happens. Yeah, normally I start with bants, start with a little bit of a goof, start with trying to put off stuff, and then we talk yeah. video games. But I thought what we'd do is if we have a... Um, just a brief little thing first, then do games, then we can do the nitty gritty. So, yeah. before we recorded this week, I had a sausage sandwich. Oh, tell me about that sausage sandwich. I bet it was mm. good. It's it's like the first one you've had since you've been in the UK, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was juicy. Well, I'm good ones. It was cooked to perfection. It was bread with butter in it and a some tomato sauce and a good bland sausage. I'm hoping, just a like a good... real nothing of a bland sausage. It was just a length of meat that, when you eat it, you think that was a length of meat I ate. Yeah, oh. perfect, perfect. Mm, that is that is beautiful. That is good shit. I mean, it's a thing of beauty because I've complained before in like about how in America I could never get a good, just a good standard loaf of bread. Yeah, because everything is like got some sweetness to it i have to go to specialist places to get bread because everything's full of corn syrup this was proper bread tasted and felt like bread instead of stale cake which is what most oh. american bread is uh, sausages are not terrible in america but they're just not the same and again like with everything there's this slight hint of sweet it's yeah sausage meat in america isn't sweet it tastes of the idea of sweet it tastes like it's afraid to be savory yes yes right that's perfect yes yeah tastes like it's afraid of of its own savory nature this was some plain fucking bread and a plain fucking sausage with some red sauce in and some butter for lubricant and i tell you i feel good as well you should i feel satiated that is that is a joyous experience and the biggest news of the week by far 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 and away the biggest news of the week so microsoft bought activision blizzard yeah that happened yeah now i've got some major complaints i'm going to mostly save them for the jimquisition yeah because it what i will complain about is more appropriate there but just just to let you all know why exactly I'm pissed off, I was newsworthy for the first time in <laughs> years this week. Uh, the first time... We will get to your newsworthiness. Since 2016, we'll make... I was relevant again. Look, I promise when we, we've we done the things we've played and we go to the news, we will talk about your news relevance first. Oh, thank we you. We will start there. Yeah, get it out the way before the main event. I will put you at the end if you prefer. Fuck you, Phil Spencer. You, it's your fault, I've decided. You're my Reggie fils me. So, do we want to do games as usual first and then get into that? Or is this week feeling a bit different i thought because it's so big yeah my suggestion if you're on board is we don't 
dive into it until after games. Yeah. yeah. But we could just provide our initial thoughts, maybe just a brief overview for the listener as to what's happened. Well, but the first thing I want to mention before anything else is pulling back to last week, because there was a story we did last week that I kind of want to very quickly touch on, where Phil Spencer was giving a bunch of very yes. dodging quotes about Microsoft's relationship with Activism Blizzard, and I think it's maybe interesting before anything else to look back at that for a second, knowing what we now know. Okay. So, like in, in Basics, the first quote a few weeks back, Phil Spencer was like, we are evaluating all aspects of Xbox's relationships with um, with Activision Blizzard. Show me the lie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not a lie. Not a lie. Technically honest. Yeah. So the follow-up last week, now that we know this, was the work we do specifically with a partner like Activision is something that, obviously, I'm not going to talk publicly about. We've changed how we do certain things with them, and they're aware of that. But this isn't about, for us as Xbox, virtue-shaming other companies. Xbox's history is not spotless. He then goes into detail Xbox's history. It's not spotless now that Activision's history is part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking dirty. Yeah, and I'll, I'll skip to the last little bit of it here is, basically he says if we can help Activision Blizzard learn to be a better company in the way that Xbox grew... I'd much rather that than get into any kind of finger-wagging at other companies that are out there. Now, obviously he doesn't want a finger-wag, he's about to buy the bloody company, um, and there's probably some things that say you can't finger-wag at a company, because then their price would go down before you buy, and that's probably not allowed. But yeah, there's a lot of... His quote last week was a lot of, we want to see Activision be better, and we don't want to punish them. Yeah. And I'm curious how you feel about that this week. Well then, um, yeah, yeah. It's obviously in hindsight now, it's clear that the guy was just like on eggshells. Yeah, I understand that he was not at liberty to talk about the merger, but at the same time, talking yeah. about Activision's past while admitting all of that, it's nonetheless dishonest. It's nonetheless. Uh, a dishonest presentation of the viewpoint. Yeah. Because they didn't mention the vested interest, the the inherent yeah. bias, the, the self-interest in that statement. That there is a self-interest in trying to suggest that Activision can be better right ahead of making a purchase. But yeah, the the very basics, and we'll get into it later... This purchase, if it goes through, won't go through until um, next financial year, so we're looking at least a year ahead in the future. Um, about $70 billion is about where this sale seems to have happened. There's a bunch of, of confusion about Kotick's role in the company going forward. The Wall Street Journal uh, seems to believe that the situation is Kotick will remain in charge of Activision Blizzard until... The sale is complete, and then he will golden parachute out, and we'll get into that later. Seemingly in response, Microsoft has announced um, internal reviews into sexual harassment and gender discrimination. Probably a good move if you're about to buy the sexual harassment and gender discrimination company. Mm-hmm. And we got a bunch of specifics about like uh, how workers at Vision Blizzard uh, King feel about this whole situation yeah no and we'll get into uh, all of that in more depth a bit later but I, yeah so 
this is it, it's a huge acquisition. It's I it's going to change a, a lot across the landscape. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from a Monopoly perspective, it's going to change a lot. Yeah, video games has its Disney now. I, I don't like that word, Monopoly. No, may, maybe a bad word, but a, a consolidation, maybe. It is. It is a, a dramatic consolidation. Um, yeah. And, and a dramatic one uh, for, I mean, you say one of the big three console makers um now it seems like there's one big console maker yeah they they just disney to the game industry i don't know how successfully yet though and we can get yeah. we can get into to that a bit later i i think i think this is a play for them to get larger access globally yeah because as of now xbox really their success is largely in north america and a bit in europe yeah yeah and so that's that's what i see happening here is them trying to acquire the resources to make real dramatic pushes into asian markets yeah in fact as you said that like I, at this point, would not be surprised if Microsoft had Square Enix in its sights. Well, there have been rumours for a couple of years about Microsoft attempting to make a big acquisition to make its way into Asia. Like, this has been a thing rumoured for a couple of years. The rumour at first was that they were talking to Square Enix, and it fell through. There have been rumours for a few years of them trying to buy a big Japanese or uh, Asian market successful game developer to get under their belt. Yeah. And if if they've got their hands on Activision, I wouldn't rule anything out. I could see them get Capcom at this point. I could see them get anything at this point. The the one I never see going is Nintendo because yeah, of their fucking yeah. laughing out of the door of Microsoft back in the day. Like Nintendo is fiercely we don't want to be anything to do with anyone else. Well we were talking about Nintendo privately earlier, Lord. Yeah. And just how weird and inscrutable that company is. When I talk about corporations when I talk about the game industry I never include Nintendo in my broad strokes discussions because they don't behave like the corporations I regularly talk about. They're very unique. Yeah, but like as you were saying, I could see Capcom being bought out by Microsoft because that's the kind of company that right now is making very critically well-received games yes. and has a foothold outside of the US. Yeah, Microsoft getting its hands on the Resident Evil games, especially as they are right now, that is exactly the kind of thing Microsoft would push. Yeah, I am... Um genuinely fascinated like you know ev everything else aside i feel like this acquisition could be something that a decade from now we look back as a shifting point in the industry like it feels like a really fucking big thing oh yeah like no doubt this it cannot really be understated how huge this is activision is the most powerful third-party publisher. Yeah. Aside from, you know, all of the scumbaggery in that company, when it comes to mass market penetration, when it comes to revenue, when it comes to just being a presence in the game industry, it's EA and Activision have always traded places, but in recent times, Activision has just been at the top. And for... 
for Microsoft to have... I mean, just Call of Duty alone under its belt is massive. Mm. But, you know, we're talking about Blizzard's games. We're talking about Overwatch, Diablo. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about... Um, what else does Activision have? I mean... Um, they've got... Overwatch uh, is Blizzard. There's that. What are Activision Blizzard properties? For some reason, all I can think of is Prototype, and no one's excited about more Prototype except me. I could go for some Prototype. I could go for some Prototype. So they they now uh they got Tony Hawk, oh, Crash yeah. Bandicoot, yeah. Spyro, uh Call of Duty. Oh, this means they've got Metal Arms glitch in the system now. Uh oh. <laughs> Maybe we'll get part two of the trilogy. Uh, Guitar Hero? Not that I expect that's alive, but like that. I could see Microsoft, like, giving it a go. Giving a new Guitar Hero a crack. Yeah, like, there's a a lot of properties that aren't doing anything right now, but, like, it's very weird to think of um, Crash Bandicoot now being a Microsoft property. Mm -hmm. Same for Spyro, that's a weird thought. That feels weird. Yes, very much so. Yeah. I mean, you add that to what Microsoft's already got. I mean, they've got Bethesda now. They've, you know, that they got their Skyrim, their Fallout. Uh, they've got Minecraft. Like, Microsoft is now the most influential, untouchably so, entity in gaming. If they make all of these properties Microsoft exclusive... Which maybe, maybe not. There's a lot like it made sense with Bethesda to go single platform because it's a lot of single player stuff. And maybe they'll keep stuff multi platform to keep a bigger install base or something. But like if this, if all of these go single platform, Sony suddenly has a much different value proposition to try and live up to. In fa- in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony would then be like, "Hey, Microsoft, do you want to make a deal? Do you want to buy?" PlayStation. <laughs> I mean, that's a very dramatic end point, but if Microsoft keeps pushing like this, they might not have a choice. And considering yeah. Microsoft's entire reason for getting into the game industry in the first place was to stop Sony having control of it. Yeah, this. Like, this is the end game. It's a real fucking swing for the fences if it. Works out for him, but... That's the point at which I think regulators <sighs> yeah. would get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there'd be nothing. Like, there'd be Nintendo, but again, they at this point, they occupy a different niche. They're in the mainstream game industry. And but, Valve. And Valve, yeah. Nintendo and Valve would be the... Yeah. I'm, I'm having a look at, like, what big stuff there is that currently is on the table, in, in that sense. Because, like, EA... Ubisoft, Square Enix, Capcom. I could see them purchasing any single one or more of those. I I feel like those four still, as they are, and if the if their multi platform releases still come to PlayStation, I can see PlayStation going. We've still got a shot. I I wonder if the move from like I don't feel like the move from Sony would be to in response purchase a studio that doesn't seem like their move they're very focused on their in-house stuff but yeah it is really putting the pressure on hmm it is a it is a confident move yeah uh fuck like it just it is such yeah yeah there's no 
no uh, overstating the the hugeness of this. Indeed. Which is why we spent so much time talking about it up top, and we'll probably spend more time still talking about it later. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, should we get onto what we've played for a little bit? Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Steph, I hear you've played a bunch of stuff this week. I've got ten games to talk about. Ten it's games? not even all the ones I've, I've dipped my hand into. That's a, that's a good number of games. Tell me about them yeah. games. Well, it, fittingly, for an episode that's so Microsoft heavy, I finally got my hands on an Xbox One. Ooh. One became available in the UK. Well, a- Amazon.co.uk like had a batch, and I was able to grab one, like, two weeks before I moved here. Yeah. So I was like, it was like perfect. It was like the perfect timing. It all worked out real nice. Yeah. It is largely a machine on which the eldest kid here plays Plants vs. Zombies. Mm. I mean, Plants vs. Zombies is a fun game with which to play on it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, every time I sit down to play, it's every five minutes, can I have a go? But... Yeah, I, I've been getting in time because, you know, I have an Xbox set up again. I have been giving Game Pass a try. So now I will complete the trifecta of us opening all of the games we talk about with, well, it was free on Game Pass, uh-huh. so I gave it a try. I mean, well, right. it was. Yeah, you know, quote unquote <laughs> free. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I very much have a, a list of games that is, it was on Game Pass, so I tried it. Well, let's let's hear about the stuff you tried. Why don't you try? And yeah, I've got good findings. I've got good findings. Uh, I'm going to start with, I'm going to do a do impressions on this, even though the original release was 2020. I think it came to consoles last year. It's a game called The Procession to Cavalry. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's one of the most amazing fucking games I have ever played oh i started playing this because you mentioned it and i looked at it and was like oh this is fucking bizarre i need it it's delightful i think both of you would be into this one Mm. it's a delight so it's a point and click adventure game the procession to cavalry uh visually all of its assets are uh real renaissance paintings uh, all of the backdrops are taken from classical paintings. All of the character models are, you know, subjects of paintings that have been, um, you know, separated and animated. So it's got a very Monty Python look to it. Uh, Terry Gilliam hates trans people. He's a total fucking twat, but, you know. That he is. Gotta get that out the way. But, you know, it's hard not to think about Monty Python when you see this game in action. At its core, it's a very straightforward point-and-click adventure game. You know, like, find the item to give to the person, so they give you an item so you can fix the situation. Uh, you know, Monkey Island-type stuff, but um, more straightforward. There's no real leaps of logic or guesswork. Um, if you get an item and you've got a task, it's fairly obvious what goes together. This game is fucking funny. Mm. That's the main thing. Like, the one big source of humour, of course, is taking these, like, famous classical paintings and doing, like, absurd and anachronistic things with them. But on top of that, the dialogue is so fucking sharp, and the situations are so ridiculous. I am just... There is... If you go into the settings menu, there is a little box you can check that makes it so that a, a monk 
will blow a raspberry at you every time you close the menu. <laughs> That's just what they put in. Every video game needs that that box. Yeah. Yeah. You can punch almost anyone in the face and get an interaction. There is uh, one of the early screens has uh, a whole bunch of like worshippers all bent over and bowing down, and you can just walk up and slap their asses. God, it's really good. the The premise is that a big war was fought. The main character uh, was having a great time. It starts off with a montage of them running around all these classical paintings and just jamming their sword into people. Uh, the war is won. And they're informed that that she can't murder anymore. And she's like, can I please just have one more murder? And they're like, no more murders. And she's like, well, that blows. And then she goes to see the new king, Immortal John, who um, beat the uh, tyrannical Heavenly Pete. And Immortal John mentions that Heavenly Pete ran away to the south and is alive. So that gives our hero one one excuse to do one last murder so she's like uh takes it on like mission accepted while the king's like i didn't officially say anything uh and then off she goes to murder uh and then it's just one ridiculous scenario after the rest yeah i can't it's so good and it's like it's it's like i i mentioned in the the video i'm putting together like the word irreverent is thrown around a lot Mm-hmm. But this game is irreverent. It has ha- it's having so much fun with the the imagery it's conjuring up. Like mm. it's got like some of these old dark Renaissance paintings of crucifixions and stuff, and a screen full of those animated and screaming while a woman is selling t-shirts, commemorative t-shirts of crucifixion victims, so that the families have something to remember them by. Oh. It's oh, it's. Yeah, this guy, and, and there's like one one guy like hanging on a wheel, like a torture wheel, which you can then use your sword to cut that down because the cart you came to town on has lost a wheel. So you you grab that, put it in your pocket, just because of course you do. Uh, put that on, and then as the cart goes off, like the wheel is just wheeling from like the bottom half of the screen with the fella just on it, just screaming, yes to this game. I am very happy this game exists. It is a delight. I got very excited when you showed me. I've downloaded it. I booted it up for a couple of minutes and was like, "Yep, this seems like my vibe." And i i want to ha- I, I want to play it on a day where I can just sit for a few hours and just this is all I'm doing because I yeah I want to give this the attention that it feels like it deserves. Absolutely. And it, it has my attention, especially for a game that's a lot of reading. Like, I, and you know, with mm. my ADHD and attention issues, like that's a struggle for me. But no, I am just gleefully reading everything. I'm so glad it's good because this is one that I remember seeing come up on Game Pass, and but having the same problem Laura mentioned of just. Like, I want to give it attention because it looked like it would require that. It looked like an investment. It's the kind of game that I didn't want to do what I sometimes do on Podquisition Day with and go, I'm going to play a little bit of this. And I was like, I want to have this is the game I'm playing for this day. Yeah. I might really settle down. I might do a stream or something, but it, it seems neat. Yeah. 
I don't think I've ever looked at a game and been able to feel like I could recommend it to both of you at once, much mm-hmm. less with this much confidence. Yeah. I I mean, I just can't recommend this game enough, especially as a Game Pass thing. I'm like, yeah, it's... Vid- humour in video games is... Good humour in video games is rare. Yeah, it's challenging to do. Yeah. It's difficult to pace it, to not have it feel forced. I am always happy when a game seems like it's managed it. Yeah, and this game is just witty and silly and ridiculous and fucking funny. Uh, so yeah, I, I am, I am, I love this game. I love it. My main uh, criticism is. It needs like uh, dyslexic font options. Like, yeah. it, they use very stylized sort of calligraphic font. And at one point, the game even points out that the font's terrible. Yeah. I, I've been saying this for a while. At this point, there's really no good excuse to not have a dyslexia friendly or at least more readable font option in your video games. Sure, maybe don't make it the default if you want to be stylized. Give an option for people who find yeah. it hard to read deliberately flavoured text. Yeah, there's an option to make the text bigger and add some background to it, because before that, it's... Even for me, you know, I've mentioned, you know, my, my sight reading last week, but it was at points illegible. So definitely turn that on, but there should be a plainer text option. Um, aside from that, I struggle for complaints. That's high praise? Yeah, yeah, I regret not discovering it in 2020 because this would have been in my year-end honours. Yeah. This is up there. Look, this at least means that you can start 2021 on a better note, that you might at least have one game you liked this year to talk about at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think since I've done the Dreamquisition Awards different, uh, and I'm going to keep that up, so that they're not just plain, here are the best games. I think we've yeah. got our award for best game that didn't come out this year, but I played this year and want to talk about it award. Hell yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, w- I want to talk about a new game that I started playing today. And like only like a little bit because of a news story about it. Th- 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 that got me there, but it's a great game. Yeah. Uh, so I finally got around to playing Buck Up and Drive. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a small... Very fast-paced, cel-shaded, arcade racing game that is on Steam for a couple of quid. The basic idea is that you are doing lots and lots of drifts to race down tracks. If there is a car in your way, you spin the car in a circle to just fucking knock them off the track. Also, there's rail grinding, as if it's a skateboarding game. And it's all very over-the-top and dramatic. And... Go, 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 do weird, cool car shit. Okay. I'm looking at some screenshots now. Yeah, that's cute. I don't know how better to explain it other than drift-heavy, fast-paced, silly racing game. (gasps) Oh, is this the one that had, like, a a one-on-one fighting mechanic element? Because I saw GIFs of that and loved it. So this is what came of that game. So there were GIFs of that... Years ago, and this it's kind of in here now, but it's not the focus anymore. It was originally pitched as like, hey, what if I made a one-on-one car fighting game? And that's still in there, but now it's also a 
go, 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 drive down the road, knock the stuff out your way, fucking rail grind past cars. Mess of audiovisual nonsense. And I don't want to say too much about it other than that it is a lot of fun. It is very simple to control for something that chaotic. Also, I f- always feel good recommending a game when... You were talking a second ago about um, toggles in menus for options. I just saw the news article on this. Yeah, so this uh, this game has a toggle in its settings menu to do with pride flags. And it's not very clear the way that it's set up, um, the way that it's described what this toggle does. But as default, when you start the game, um, you know, a, a fair few of the, the billboards will have various uh, pride flags on them. And if you change the toggle, it doesn't turn them off. It makes them more. It, put, it makes it so there's nothing but pride <laughs> flags. And so many people on Steam are so upset about this. Oh, are they? I know. But, like, genuinely, mm, chef's kiss. That is beautiful. Look, this is the kind of game where it's like, you're not going to get a huge amount of length of time of enjoyment out of it. It's It doesn't seem like there's a lot of game there or a lot of replayability, but what is there is a couple of quid and it's very concentrated good fun. And I'm always happy to play something that I can feel like I got my money's worth out of very quickly and go, yeah, yeah, I had a good time with that. So I, I, I recommend checking it out. It's, it is a, it's a neat little game. It's a three-button driving game, not overpriced, but not something I would recommend. Went through settings to start with, and there's a pride flag billboard toggle that you set to off as default, which seemed like a good medium between having it in the game or not, except it didn't work. There is a skin customization in the car decals that could have been duplicated for the billboards that would have been a good way to handle the flags and billboards. Sad little fuckers. A good medium. Letting you toggle off pride flags is a good medium for representation. <laughs> uh, you not getting to see it, is it, little bitch? I mean, look, I believe the default setting is a good medium. It is about 50% pride flags. That's, that is literally a medium. Did you <laughs> see what the developer said about it? What? My thoughts on the ones upset by it? Cope. <laughs> 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 right, the moment that comes out on Switch, I'm getting it. Yeah, it's it's good. It's worth trying. It's it's okay. a neat little game. Conrad, what you been playing? Uh, I, I actually have been using my Switch. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Linda wanted to play Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And I, I hate the Joy Cons, so I finally just bit the bullet and bought a Power A wireless controller. Mm-hmm. How you getting on with it? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, Amazon uh, failed delivery on it um, and then sent me another one. And so now I have two uh-huh. because the other one then showed up several days later inexplicably also open. Result. And still with the item in it. So I'm not sure what happened. Hmm. But But now I have two and that's great. And yeah, the controller's pretty good. Um, it, my problem with the Joy-Con wasn't like lag or drift or anything like that. It Well, it was a bit lag because I would have the worst reception difficulty going to the Switch. And I'm not that far away, maybe 10 feet. Yeah, yeah, the Switch ain't great at distance. Well, at least with the Joy-Cons, uh, yeah. the Power A controller 
it probably dedicates more power to the Bluetooth signal or or whatever, but it it works fine. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's been nice, and as a result, I I wound up in the eShop browsing for things that were on sale, like you do. Yeah. And uh, I picked up Super Bomberman R. Oh yes, launch title. I think that was. I think that was day one. Was it? Yeah, it's 20, 2017 release. I don't remember when the Switch came out, but that that could be right. That sounds right-ish. I downloaded it because it was significantly discounted, and I like a Bomberman game. I don't know if I've ever even talked about my like history with Bomberman, but that was uh, I, growing up. I had a neighbor friend across the street who I used to play video games with. I think I've mentioned them in regards to Toe Jam and Earl in the past. But the other game that we played a lot uh, was Bomberman. We played all three of the Super Nintendo ones and the the Genesis Mega Bomberman, which was our favorite because it had the weird animals that you could ride. And we had, you know, multi-taps and other kids in the neighborhood would come over and we'd have these hours-long Bomberman sessions at one point. And I still have the hardware for this. I, I've never finished it. But I realized that the original model Sega Genesis had a lot of space inside the shell. And you could very easily fit a four-player multi-tap adapter into the side of it. Uh, and so I was just going to make a machine specifically for the purpose of playing Mega Bomberman and nothing else. Um, one day I will do that. But this uh, Super Bomberman R, I like it. It's interesting because it, I didn't know Konami had made it when I bought it. Yeah. And that was kind of curious. And then I started the game and the very first thing that happens is I'm assaulted with a series of messages saying unlockable characters are now available for purchase in the shop. Yay! And I'm like, what the fuck is this? How bad? And it just goes on and on and on. I keep having to hit the button to progress through all of these messages. Games have increasingly been doing that. Like there'll be games I haven't gone back to in a while or, or yeah, like in this case, games I've just started. And yeah, I am assaulted by just a deluge of information like this. And it, it really puts me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it made me concerned that this was going to be some, you know, horrible microtransaction laden experience. Blessedly, it's not. Uh, in fact... Yeah, and I'm flipping through them, and I'm not normally the sort of person who cares a whole lot about cosmetic character designs, but when that pyramid head showed up, I was <laughs> like, oh, not, not for me, but I was going to play this with Linda, and Linda's going to want to play the pyramid head character Hell if it's yeah. available. So now I'm torn, but I go into the shop, and not only is it just the in-game currency awarded for playing the game, pyramid head's like... Well within the budget of available money that I have at the start. So I just bought Pyramid Head. Nice one. And Dracula. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And the game is, it. I mean, it's a solid bomber, man. Uh-huh. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the, you know, story mode stuff in the early Bomberman trilogy and, uh, you know, the, the Super Bomberman trilogy and, and that stuff. And it's it's good. The thing that I struggle with is the visual element both in its perspective and its 
just overall visual design, which is very busy. There is so much visual information to take in. And that combined with the high angle perspective on these 3D environments, because they are 3D and there is elevation. And that's why it's the camera's fixed in that position. Because you need to be able to see at some level mm-hmm. what height you're at and your enemies are at. Um, and, you know, the stairs up and so forth. Otherwise, it would just be nigh unnavigable. And I get that. But boy, it's still hard to take in all of that information and navigate. And uh, it's not bad. Yeah. It's just challenging. I might have to give it another go. I, I have it. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I remember playing it. I even remember where I was because I was down by the coast um, on a weekend away and I had it. And I can't remember a damn thing about it. I think I played it for like 10 minutes and stopped and never got back to it. I should give it another go, especially if Pyramid Head's in it. You know, the story mode is, it has, you know, these sort of power puff girl type interludes that progress the story. Uh, and they're all very goofy in, in that way and very just like it, – it, it feels like they hired the Powerpuff Girl people to do this. That's right. just such a vibe on it. And it's fun. It's cute. I laughed or at least chuckled out of the corner of my mouth as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's it's fun. And it, it does feel like classic Bomberman. It has uh, some quality of life improvements that are uh, nice in the in – the, heads up display i like that you have the two-player co-op available in the story mode it's really hard (laughs) because now you also have to account for the other bomber and you have a shared pool of lives right and uh we were playing it on easy and and still wrecking ourselves every couple of levels with a nine stock so uh that's fine it's fun and uh yeah, I'm having a good time with it. We'll, we'll probably play more. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. What about you, Steph? What else have you played? I've got nine others. We'll, we'll rattle through. <laughs> I'll rattle off some quick in a little bunch. Um, but you actually reminded me one I didn't list, so I've got ten. Um, but just quickly, I downloaded Galaga Plus. Um, oh. Galaga, some, Galaga Wars Plus on my phone because it was on Apple Arcade. Boy, can you tell which ones were microtransaction-filled greed fests that gutted out the microtransactions and did nothing to rebalance the awful grind and sheer lack of satisfaction in the gameplay so that it could be on Apple Arcade? Mm. What a disgusting fucking game. It's enough about that one. It's just... Oh. So, I going back to um, Game Pass... I played a game called The Anacrusis, which is a four... It's basically uh, another horde shooter. Like, you're left for dead, you're back for bloods, uh, your aliens fire teams, that sort of thing. Uh, this one is set on a spaceship with this sort of, like, retro 50s-style sci-fi aesthetic. And it's full of aliens that run at you and very standard special aliens that are basically like you're left for dead. It's fine. It's an early access or they call them game previews on Xbox. Hmm. Um, It's very messy. It doesn't run very well. Uh, It's got some promise, but it needs a lot of work done. Uh, The, the premise itself 
needs to be leaned into harder. Uh, they really need to lean into the, the campy side of it because right now it doesn't really have much character. Uh, the regular enemies sort of have a person in a suit vibe, like an early Doctor Who thing, which I kind of like, but they really need to lean into that harder because it's kind of po-faced at the moment, which is at odds with the aesthetic they're kind of going for. So promising. I'm going to keep my eye on it. Um, but other than that, not not much to go on yet. Uh, I also played a game called Anvil, which is a uh, top-down, well, sort of isometric-y, shooter-y type thing. Um, very sort of run-and-gun. Um, again, game preview. Uh, seems interesting. Uh, it was going very well until I reached a, the first boss that then just took all my health away, like, straight away. Uh, not had much luck playing it online with anyone, so yeah, not too much to say about that. But the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay in it is fairly, fairly satisfying, and it's got a range of unlockable characters that all look really cool. Um, the protagonist characters have a nice visual style, sort of a little bit Warframe-ish. Uh, so that's quite good. Uh, I'll do one more for now before heading back. Uh, what else haven't I got a lot to say about? I uh, played some of that Forza Horizons 5. Yeah. Um, was very pleased that I could be a they-them. Uh, the moment it called me Jim, however, I was creeped out. Um, it did the thing of pulling your name from... Yeah, so are you aware this is a... from Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is a whole thing that I have made a video about and you that, have. that their developers will not acknowledge that this is a thing that they should maybe check before pulling a name from someone's account. Because it's kind of shitty that it does that. and it It's an overstep as far as I'm concerned. It's a completely unnecessary one because at the end of that first like very cinematic mission, you're given an option to pick a name. Mm-hmm. Just, just... It's literally like five minutes at the start that it assumes a name. Just don't include the name that first five minutes. Yeah, just pull from that. Like, if you've already yeah. got the, the voice, the, you know, the voice... I, I don't know if it's recreated voices or, or they've got stock, like a whole bunch of different names to pull from. Um, but yeah, if I put my name as Stephanie in the character select, just have the characters call me Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. The gym is weird, like, you know, because of the way my name is and how I brand myself um, in work, like, it's not upsetting, but it's not what I'd prefer. Yeah. Right. It's not what I want if the game's going to use my name, because that's not how I refer to myself. Exactly. And, you know, thankfully, it's not as big of a thing for you. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of people who have had much worse times with that game. Absolutely. Yeah. Full on dead names. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to talk about how that is is bad. Yeah. I might have to join the throng on that because, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an overstep that I don't want to see other developers who are trying to be clever um copy yeah um but yeah the actual gameplay um i haven't been in a proper race i've been playing it but so far it was like the intro which was kind of neat it was just me you know being different cars yeah i chose a car uh and it was yellow so i was happy with that and then yeah driving around and there are other sort of online players and then I went on a mission and I just drove to a place, picked up a car and then drove the truck the car was on back and that was it and 
that is that is definitely not most of the uh, the mission types. I can't identify a mission type like that. <laughs> it was chill. Um but yeah, I need to sit down with it again and try some actual races because I've never played Forza. Uh I've never been too sure of it because I like my kart races. Um I like arcade races. I'm not sure what this one is. I'm not one for simulation races. So of the the simulation looking races, this is the only one I like. And it's because it has a lot of things in there that will steer it towards being an arcade racer if you would prefer that. Such as, we will literally draw lines on the floor of where you should be driving ideally and where you should be putting your brakes on. We will allow you to tweak a lot of the values of how things work so that it has a more arcade feel. It's one of the more forgiving sim-looking racing games. Yeah. It's interesting they have a rewind feature. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, you can at any time in a race just rewind quite a considerable amount of your gameplay and just start from a prior point in the race. It's useful because my ability to drift in this game is fucking shit. It takes some work, but uh, yeah. Slidey boys. There is zero punishment if you're doing single-player racing and you fuck up a corner and you're like, oh, fuck, I, I'm not going to have a good time now. You just go back in and, yeah, you know, reverse it. Try, try that corner again. That's all right, isn't it? Makes me a lot more willing to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just quickly, um, before I pass over, I get another one out of the way. Uh, I have played some Halo Infinite. Um, yeah. It sure is another Halo. Yeah, it's... It's more Halo. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of Halo games, admittedly. I've, I'm more into this than I have been with the others. Like, it's a little more... I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm having a decent time. I, I wish it was a little more handholdy than it is. Like, I just... I, I, I like my linear, linear story Halo things where I can just sort of... Point me where I'm going and I'll shoot everything. And the more it gets open, like it seems to open up, the more I'm not digging it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm at a point where sort of the map's opened up. Immediately put off by, like, I don't know why games do this when they're open world. I call them Bethesda Mountains. Yeah. Just, there was like an objective around the back of a mountain, and in between the mountain was a huge fucking chasm. That took me ages to navigate away way round, and I had to fast travel to get out of it because I tried to get out of it myself, and I was like, I don't know what you want from me. Even with the grappling hook wire thing, I was like, I, I don't, I can't get across this gap, and, and I can't find purchase on this mountain. Um, also, I, I fucking hate vehicles in Halo. Why do they control the way they do? I, I don't know. I cannot answer that. You know those like those stage shows where people have big inflatable shapes that they throw up in the air to do tricks with? Like, that's what these fucking vehicles are like in that game. It's like I it's worse than the physics in Borderlands. And they don't control like vehicles. No, they they don't. They suck. Uh, it's because they're vehicles in space and gravity is different, that's why. Gravity, my ass. Space vehicles. <laughs> I fucking... That oh. and I am annoyed with how frequently ammo runs out. Like, I, I, I know the game, I guess, wants to encourage you to keep picking up weapons, but 
I don't want to keep picking up weapons. If I find one I like, I like what I find. I'm the same way, yeah. You know why you don't like that? It's because it's weapon durability. It is! That weapon, that thing you like, you have to stop using it and do something else for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, some people have used that argument. They're like, well, you accept ammo in games, but, you know, that's basically weapon durability. And it's like, yeah, you do have a point, but I guess it's just so normalised that I accept it. Plus, you know, guns do have ammo. Swords in real life don't break after two fucking hits. Yeah, you you will get more ammo. And then that will replenish and you will be able to continue to use the item. The item is not broken and then you then have to go get both ammo and the item again through whatever means it is you have to get it. That's a fundamental difference. Yeah. Yeah. And as downplayed as it is, um, because, yeah, you can get ammo, the closest to ammo counts as weapon durability is Halo. Yeah. Yeah. It gets on my fucking nerves. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's like, yeah, it's fine, fine enough. The the in-game dialogue with the grunts is pretty good. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I played one other thing I want to talk about this week, mainly. I've been, I've been playing some uh, Deep Rock Galactic, which is a game I've talked about a few times on here. It is that... Uh, you you've you've got pickaxes and guns. Go do a bunch of co-op uh, objectives together as as space dwarves. I've seen your wife play this on stream, I believe. Yeah, lovely Jane. I am still really digging this game. And one thing I want to talk about because not enough games that are on Game Pass do this. This is an online multiplayer co-op game that has been on Game Pass since uh, since you know a couple a couple of years ago when I started playing it. Every update that has come to it has come to the the version on Game Pass. I have not been locked out of any DLCs or updates or seasons. Like, this game has had, like... It added in a Battle Passy type thing at some point, but the Game Pass version's like, yep, nope, you, you have access to that, you'll unlock things as you play, here's your challenge with whatever. I keep expecting a point to arrive with this game where it's like, pay pay for more of it? Yeah. And no, uh, they they keep adding in like uh, seasonal content. Like they added in weird glowing light football at Christmas that was fun. Uh-huh. Um, they've added in new mission types. Like there's a whole new mission type about like trying to hack into vaults and taking down security systems. That's been really fun. I continue to find that this game just has more and more content every time I check back into it for something on Game Pass. And there is some cosmetic DLC. I had to be pointed to where it could be found, and it's like it's never like thrown at you to go. It's here. It's like we're giving you lots of cosmetic stuff for free anyway. Do you do you want more? That it's here if you want it, but like, ah, just keep playing our game. All right. And I've been really, really pleased with its monetization structure and the fact that it has. I'm still finding things to do with it. It's, it's very rare the games like that come along but it is one of those ones where i could you know if it's like that where i'm like you know i might kick a couple of doubloons your way like like i genuinely have had that thought because like this game has felt so respectful of my time and money as someone playing this ongoing live updated online multiplayer game i might have to check it out I downloaded it on my PS5 before I moved. That's in yeah. transit, but it's, I mean, I've got the Xbox One set up and it's on that. Yeah. Well, if, if you want to try playing some, I'm happy to do some co-op with you at some point, because I, I definitely think it benefits from, from some co-op. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. 
Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. What about you, comrade? You played anything else? Uh, yeah, I uh, I played Blaster Master Zero Two. Oh wow. Mmm. And I think I talked about having played Blaster Master Zero on this podcast some time ago. I believe so. I think my complaint about it was that it was too faithful to the original game as a remake or a reboot mm. of the of this franchise. This is a lot better. Zero Two, now that they're past the point of having to do the reboot and be faithful to it, has allowed it to sort of spread its wings a little bit. So movement is now better in the top down. Uh, sections of the game. Um, there's better implementation of grenades. The You get a new counterattack maneuver in the top-down section so that when an enemy is preparing an attack, you can... There's a few options, but they're, you know, basically fire a projectile in that direction or dash over to them quickly and do a bunch of damage. There's a couple of options uh, I've got so far. There might be a couple more later. I, I don't know. But that's that really makes the combat a lot faster and more dynamic and, you know, gives you opportunities to just stop enemies from even having the opportunity to be aggressive towards you. So I like that a lot. The management of the gun upgrade system is very quickly made more tolerable by the addition of a one-hit shield around your gun. Mm. Uh, So if you're not familiar with how Blaster Master handles gun upgrades, you can pick up these power-ups that will then grant you improved access to uh, different forms of of ordnance that you shoot. And I think there's something like seven or eight different types, and they each power-up level that you have unlocks one of them, and every time you take a hit, you lose one bar of this, cutting off access to higher-end weaponry and, and so forth. Now... In the original Blaster Master, it really sucked because, like, your power level was just the weapon that you had, and you couldn't even switch between them. This, uh, in Blaster Master Zero, that was, like, the big improvement that they made over the original, was that you could select which form of the gun you wanted within the range of power that you had. Uh, but yeah, and this shield thing really takes the edge off of that, in the sense that, okay, I can take a hit every you know, like 20 seconds or however long it takes to recharge. And I'm not like getting chipped away at and becoming completely useless in boss encounters or even just straight moving through levels. It does a ton to make the game more player friendly. Meanwhile, with the vehicle, the Sophia, they've added a new mechanic in in the second one that you have an energy meter that is charged by making uh, forceful contact with the ground. It also gets charged whenever you take damage, but that's the main way you charge this uh, thing up. And then it fuels your hover capability and your special attacks. Mm -hmm. And that's really neat to play with. And you have to balance it because you don't want to run out. Uh, Otherwise, there's a very lengthy recharge time where your main shot's power is reduced. You have access to none of your... uh, energy-based maneuverability options 
and or your special weapons. And so it just can make you a sitting duck in the wrong circumstance to overextend yourself. Uh, it's The levels are pretty cool in this one too. They've changed the structure of the, the game uh, away from a big overworld to a series of discrete stages on planets and planetoids. And uh, there's a derelict ship at one point. And these are smaller, explorable uh, worlds where you travel around in the tank and then occasionally get out of the tank and do the top down or even a little bit of side scroll exploration within them. But they're very contained. They feel much more geared towards short play sessions. The the planetoids in particular just contain a couple of screens or maybe a boss. And then at the end, you're rewarded with either the location of another level or maybe a uh, optional weapon upgrade or some other little trinket that maybe wasn't necessary. And then you could just play that and put it down and go do something else. And it's, it's pretty satisfying uh, from that end. So that structure... I think really helps it too. It's just a much better engineered game on the whole. And it's carrying on now uh, narrative from the sort of restored lore from Blaster Master, which was pretty brutally changed in Western localization and has been now expanded on. It turns into this big interstellar battle and you meet other people who have their own versions of this Sophia type tank that blow shit up. It's neat. It's just a neat game. If you liked Blaster... Blaster Master is a series that I always felt just utterly failed to live up to the potential that it had. Yeah. And Zero Two clearly demonstrates that there were other people capable and competent to bring that potential out. And the third one came out in July. I'm just going to pick it up as soon as I finish playing this, because I'm really digging this. And uh, I... I I'm glad that I was browsing the eShop and found it for 99 cents because, holy shit, I really, really like it. I think it was 99 cents. Awesome. Might have been five bucks. I don't care. It's great. Yeah. Yay. Because I never got on with Blaster Master myself, so I'm I'm glad that one worked out. Yeah, it's it's it wasn't – a big part of the reason I gave the second one another chance, too, is that Inti creates – it was responsible for the, the Mega Man Zero games, um, and I loved those. And they were just mm-hmm. – they were such a great follow-on from the X stuff uh, that I will take a gamble on something that they do. And I'm really, really glad I did. This is a, a great game. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yay. Uh, Steph, you got any other ones you want to rattle through before more, we get yeah. to the news? Yeah, yeah. go on. Treat us. Been playing a game called The Gunk. Oh, yes. This has been recommended to me, but I haven't gotten around to it. It's good. It's good. It's, you know, it's a scan em up. I've, I've decided to call it that. Yeah. You know, similar to your Metroid Prime and your Savage Planet, there's a lot of uh, scanning the environment for stuff. Gorgeous. It looks very nice. It's It's a gorgeous game. It's lighting really does it. Does it a, a justice? It's got good lighting, real good sort of color schemes. Mm. Um, they've sort of really made this lively alien environment. Um, the main point of the game is using your robot hand to suck things up. The world is full of this titular gunk, and a big part of it is sucking that up. 
to turn the environment from something drab and corrupted into the bright, vibrant stuff. There's a lot of environmental puzzling. Um, the story is about these two um, these two characters who have landed on this planet and they're trying to find an energy signal. And, and as they go, they discover that this planet was not uninhabited. So they're sort of piecing together the history of that. The passive-aggressive banter between the two characters is an irritant. Mm. Phoenix pointed out that it just sounds like they really need to get divorced. <laughs> like, like the the character that is the your mission control type character, the one who's basically staying with the ship while you go out, constantly sniping and and sort of undermining. And it's like it's 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 sort of uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they're going for like charming banter. But it's like, wow, you're just not nice. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little slow moving. You can upgrade to sprint, but you have to keep pressing the sprint button every time you, like, jump or, like, go off a ledge or even just sort of stumble a bit off a stone, uh, which I find a bit annoying. Um, the environmental puzzles are really simple stuff, but sort of well laid out. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, again, it's on Game Pass, so I think both i think that's one both of you would be interested in uh i think i think you'd enjoy that uh i have played it before i dropped off it but i really enjoyed what i played okay i, sh- I played the, the shadow man remastered i've never played the original so i and i remember seeing commercials and ads for it but never really knew anything about it uh seems fine i'm stuck after like 20 minutes i don't know where to go or what to do uh yeah that sounds right. That that seems to reflect my memory of experience with Shadow Man. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, for a game as old as it is, I don't know if they've made improvements like mechanically along the way, but it doesn't play as god-awful as a lot of games from back in the day did when sort of 3D action games were newer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems cool and well enough, and I like it on, you know, having it on the switch as per but yeah i don't know what to do i played into the pit this might be one you you might want to take a look at conrad if you Mm. haven't already uh into the pit it's a first person shooter roguelike really simple straightforward like it's just jump in go into little arenas kill the enemies um like gather these keys like you drain these keystones once you've done a number of them you've cleared a chamber then you go into the next one you do that four times then you jump to a lower level and do more you equip they call them spells but they basically just act like guns that come out your hands you can equip two different uh spells to each hand so the left trigger will fire shit from your left hand and you know right to right you start with none when you enter a level you're given a choice of what goes in your left what goes in your right pulled from a randomized pull so you can you know blast things that are a bit like a shotgun or like a cannon there are several rapid fire options you know passive abilities like you know can cause bleeding on enemies or you take less damage or you can you know do poison damage it's really straightforward and i'm digging it Mm -hmm. visually it's hideous yeah, that's I've seen it. Yeah. And it looked like I don't want to like disparage. There's a certain love 
for crappy looking first person games. And I don't, you know, I get it. It's an aesthetic that people either have a nostalgic attraction to. For me, it just reminds me of of when games weren't quite great and before I really hated them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Yeah, it's... I found it oddly compelling for something that's so visibly off-putting, like visually right. off-putting. The actual gameplay is pretty damn good. It's It's slick and it's fast and... And I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't know what the enemies look like half the time. Because it's just splodge. Mm. And the environments are just splodge. I don't know what they're going for. I think more than anything else, the visual style is confusing because I don't know what they're doing. I know they, in the store write-up on um, Xbox, they... They're marketing it as a retro-style shooter, but it's not retro aesthetics. It, it it's not like Dusk or, or any of or a medieval. I think was another one, sort of one of those proper retro shooters. It doesn't look like an old game. It looks like a newer game that they just ruined. It 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 looks. I mean, it, it it's so garish that. You know it had to have been deliberately garish. Yes. That's a style, what they're doing. I think they're trying to evoke what they dreamed the graphics would look like if machines had been capable of making games of this ilk in the late 90s. Yeah. And maybe you're right about that. I don't know. But it's hideous. Yeah, I do sort of get a lawnmower man vibe off the art. Right? But yeah, like, I can barely make out what the enemies are supposed to look like. I don't know. I'm confused. I'm confused as to what they think I should be getting out of that art style. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Other than that, uh, the only other one that I really played was uh, finally did a bit of that Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, that new one, mm. since it was on Game Pass, because um, I was really interested in it, but they offered me a review copy, then ignored me, so I refused to buy it. <laughs> uh, so it was on Game Pass, and I'm glad I didn't buy it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's an irritating game to play. The combat is fine, but not refined enough for me to feel like I'm having a great time with it. I don't like how when you if unless you keep manually locking onto enemies, if you start an attack on one, it won't soft lock or anything. Like it'll you will miss if you're not constantly pu- pushing the right stick in. Uh, at least with the the archer character, there's not much fine control. Like I, I can't maneuver properly when I'm attacking, um, and I get attacked from off screen a lot as well. And yeah, it's. The actual combat is fine enough. When it actually flows, it feels good, but it's not that compelling. It's okay. And and that's it. Yeah. I played a lot. You did. I Look did. at you carrying the weight. Look at you Look go. At yeah. Right. Should we talk about the news? Let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard King. The details are light at the moment. Um, I will pull up the specifics so that we have the the actual info here. 
Uh, the acquisition cost Microsoft $95 a share, which puts Activision Blizzard at a value of about $68.7 billion. A lot of discussion around that price, you know, rightfully points out that price is probably considerably less than it would have been before all of the Activision Blizzard allegations came out that is yeah you know like there is discussion of the fact that they paid i believe 45 percent above current share price which probably is factoring in the fact that they think they can you know recover enough reputation to bring that value back up yeah phil spencer has been very vague so far about what this means in terms of will properties become exclusive what steps exactly do Microsoft have in mind to presumably try and recover some of this their reputation? As has been noted quite accurately, they're probably in a position where they can't talk about a lot of the plans they would have to, you know, if they plan to, to try and reform that company's image, because the sale is not yet final and there is a certain degree of... You know, there are probably things that limit them from talking. Yeah, and it's going to be, you know... It's going to be a while. Yeah. This this is going to take some time to get approved by regulatory bodies uh in and, and you know it's Microsoft is no stranger to uh antitrust issues. I don't think that they would make this move with an expectation that they are going to have a problem there. But it it is going to take some time. It, it's going to take some time, and during that time, they're probably going to be very careful about what they say. Nothing will be said, I think, yeah. beyond what has been stated already. I would be I would be very surprised. L- lots of just generic. Um, we are incredibly excited. There's a lot of statements that have led people to assume that they have plans for after the sale is final, such as. Until this transaction closes, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. That's the kind of sentence that says, we cannot yet say what we're going to do about Activision Blizzard because they are their own separate company still. We do know a little bit about what their plans are once the the merger goes through. We will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as we can within Xbox Game Pass um, and PC Game Pass, both new titles and games from Activision Blizzard's uh, back catalogue. The fantastic franchises across Activision Blizzard will also accelerate our plans for cloud gaming, allowing more people in more places around the world to participate in the Xbox community using phones, tablets, laptops, and other devices you already own. This, I think, is the thing that confirms what you were saying earlier, Comrade, about this being about not European and American markets. Yeah. This is, we are using this as a as a way in for other markets that may not buy an Xbox but do have a phone. And have historically shown great resistance to buying Xbox products. They, they have consistently failed in these markets. Yeah. I think, I think South Korea is just finally starting to give them some ground, but... Yeah. Now it's it's a problem for them, and 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 it's prevented them it's prevented them from being the actual powerhouse that's reflective of what mm. they own up to now. Yeah, because you look at the sort of market potential of Sony; they are worldwide with the PlayStation, and they are in as deep as they probably can be, and so they probably are quaking a little bit on some of this. I'd be worried. Yeah, 
I'd be fucking worried. Yeah. Call of Duty alone is just so huge for Microsoft as a get. Oh, 100%. It is... I think it is the big thing. Yeah. It is It is the big name that, you know, despite everything, is still a huge fucking name. Let's not forget Candy Crush. Well... Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's just, like, gonna line the pockets. That won't be huge in terms of, like, console competition, but in terms of just bringing in a fuckload of money. Yes. But also putting them in deep on phones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where they have never been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it once again gets them in a place that is very beneficial for them to be in terms of reaching markets they don't currently have. Yeah, so there's a few statements that Phil Spencer has made that do feel like, and I'm, I don't want to give credit until this happens, but do feel like as close as he can maybe get to saying that we're going to do something about the lack of uh, inclusivity and safety within Activision Blizzard. I will read some of these and some of the things that people have have pointed to. Uh, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming, both amongst employees and players. We, they talk about treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and leaders to this commitment, and we're looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to the teams across Activision Blizzard. It sure sounds like we're not going to acknowledge the problem, but we're, we're going to make it a welcoming place just like we are. One of my big fears with this buyout is... Yeah. I mean, you know, I've complained at length about how the press and the community always, like, chomp at the bit to move on from these uncomfortable stories so they can, like, go back to feeling guilt-free hype for video game product. Yeah. One of the things this buyout does, like... I've heard some people talk about whether or not, like, they've bought a PR problem in Activision. I think instead... Oh, no. No, I think Activision has sold a PR solution. Yeah. What they've done is they've given everyone the ability to point at this and say, well, Microsoft's in charge now. Everything's fixed. It's a different company. I can go back to being hyped for Call of Duty, and it's perfectly fine because it's Microsoft. It's not Activision anymore. And what and what I would say to that too is that is a very reasonable assumption to make. I think that there are going to be significant changes to the company culture of the people working at Activision Blizzard companies following this. Now, there's going to be pruning too. We can't forget that. Yeah. I've been told that, you know, like from people who have had experiences with being involved with Microsoft buyouts, like, oh yeah, they like to get rid of a lot of people and put their own people in. Yes. Yes. So now, and that's, but that's going to mean, you know, in a, it's going to mean in executive roles. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of these people who have been problems, they're not going to be involved in continuing to abuse employees that is actually yeah. going to be settled and they are going to be working under a company culture and umbrella that is very very different going forward now i'm not here to say better or worse mm. that's and and that's going to be up to the people who actually have to work there but it will be different it will not be the same scenario and historically from what we've seen microsoft doesn't have quite they are so concerned with their image globally that i can't see 
the same kind of toleration happening. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't think I don't think we'll see the same kind of toleration going forward, but Activision as a company is so deeply corrupt and has been for years that I think there is some element of rot in that company that cannot be rehabilitated. And uh, to something you were saying a little while back, and I've, I've just just gotten in on this, um, the worry that this is a purchased PR solution for Activision um, is already being felt by a lot of people working there, and we'll no get doubt. to this a little bit later yep. and like maybe in more depth at a later time, but... There are people working at Activision Blizzard, particularly people who are currently striking as part of a better ABK, who are very concerned that without anything material fundamentally changing, this will be perceived as the problems fixed. Yep. yep. You know, a lot a lot of people working there right now, what what they how they see this is this gives the board of executives and Kotick an excuse to walk out. Um, after the buyout with a big golden parachute. Yes. And a lot of bad people who are not those bad people, you know, a lot of rot will remain and a lot of problems such as the things they're striking about in terms of, you know, um, short-term contracts and things like that are not going to get dealt with because everyone will go, it's fixed, Kotick's out the door. Yes. And, you know, no matter what happens, this merger has seen to it that a lot of people who should be held to account for things have just been given the opportunity to walk away and never face anything. Absolutely. If if your conception of the goal for this was justice in the sense that these people be punished for what they've done, yeah. uh, unfortunately, that is not going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, it never was, but this now makes it so easy. Like, this is... It's now, it's gone from they are going to worm their way out of this to they don't even have to worm anymore. They've just been given a gimme. Also, and I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to something that isn't on the topic list, but that you shared on Twitter earlier today, Steph, which is um, some information from the Activision SEC filing about the merger. Oh, God. Here are three little facts uh, that Activision told the SEC. There is no strike to the knowledge of the company. No material allegations of sexual harassment since 2018. Now, to clarify, material uh, harassment is uh, senior vice president or higher, but still, it sure seems like some hand-waving. And no legal proceedings that would have material adverse effects. Yeah, it's lying without lying. It's There are lies by omission in that. There are lies by hiding behind the exact surface level wording of what they're saying. Yeah. But it is all a pile of intellectually dishonest bullshit. And it just shows how little regard they have had for any of this. The board that backed Bobby Kotick, the board that refused to acknowledge the strike that that kept telling staff members that they didn't have any evidence of anything. They wear their contempt on their sleeve every single day, and one of the unfortunate side effects of this buyout is they have been rewarded for that. They have been rewarded for hurting people and doing nothing, nothing to make it right. Yeah... Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, uh, next up on this big lengthy list of things we've got to get through on this, 
Microsoft has announced sexual harassment and gender discrimination internal review. Basically, they're reviewing their policies on harassment and gender discrimination, which the fact that we publicly know about this sure seems like deliberately timed. Yep. Oh yeah, it's this is yeah, it's all part of the performance. Yes. Uh a part of this is that it will apparently include a review into allegations against senior board leaders, including Bill Gates, who stepped down from the board in 2020. Uh a thorough and transparent report is expected in the spring of 2022, which will be released to the public, that's something. It sure seems like this has come up as a ple- like, hey, look, we we're we're good at these things. Yeah. We're making sure we're good at these things. That it feels like an attempted signpost at we will do something. This mollifies or goes some way towards mollifying, uh, or certainly their attempt to mollify concerns about Activision Blizzard not facing any consequences or potentially continuing to mistreat workers. Um, so it's they get to deflect from that by saying we're doing a review. Also, given what Phil Spencer said about how Microsoft's hands aren't clean yeah. um, with this kind of stuff, there's very much a getting ahead of it vibe to this. Yeah. My take on this is you can't have your pudding until you've finished your meat. Yeah. You know, show me the results, show me the analysis, and then we can consider whether or not you're going to do a good job. Yeah. Well, this is one of the frustrations we've I've had with Ubisoft and the like, where all they will do is say, we've taken steps. Right. Yes. Don't fob me off with that, especially because in Ubisoft's case, we know it was proven bullshit because they haven't taken any steps as per their workers. When they just say, we've taken steps, we've had a review, we're going to do better. Yeah. Fuck off. If you've taken steps, I want to know what they are. And if you don't have any information on what those steps are, you've taken fuck all. Indeed. Except the piss. And until we learn about practical steps that have been taken and like tangible things that have happened, you know, this, you know, this means nothing. But... This will be completed before Activision, the Activision merger happens, and let's say they actually do some high-profile stuff. That would be a good signpost that they might do something meaningful when Activision comes in. If this is just, oh no, we did a review and our stuff's great, I have zero faith in them doing anything to clean up Activision. Yep. So we'll move on from there to some tangentially related stories. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about what it seems like the plan is for um, Kotick to leave just after the uh, the buyout with a big, big, big golden parachute. The short version of this is that there is some stuff that's publicly available that shows how much money Kotick will get paid depending on when he's ousted. And the amounts range from about $250,000 up to nearly $300 million. Mm. None of which he needs. Nope. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need any more money ever again, nor his family, for the rest of his fucking life. And you know what? You know what bracket that $300 million, nearly $300 million payout comes from? Termination without cause following a change of control. Yeah. Basically, if he's ousted just after the merger, he gets to walk off with basically 300 million. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, and there's a certain 
logical sense to that because if you are in a CEO role, you would have facilitated the transfer of power and you're no longer necessary. Uh, and you did that knowing going in that you would then be rewarded with compensation as a result of having done a good job in executing the merger. Like this isn't ridiculous. I mean, the, the amount of money is ridiculous. All of this is actually ridiculous. But in the context of the framing that we live in, yeah. It's normal for capitalism. Yes. <laughs> which is itself an abnormal disease. Um, but yeah, like it's... It's normal within the framework of capitalism, it's disgusting regardless, and it is Bobby Kotick's get-out-of-metaphorical-jail-free card. Yep. Yep. It's real... Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Do we want to talk about Bobby Kotick, some of the, the discussions of things he's been trying to get up to? This this is how I was going to sort of make the, the swap over to that. Yeah. So, first of all, there are some allegations that Bobby Kotick didn't want anyone to know how many people were being fired and or quietly let go from Activision because it made Activision Blizzard look bad. Oh god, that would be terrible. Yeah, so the, the original story, Activision Blizzard has pushed out almost 40 employees since July 2021. According to the Wall Street Journal, these figures were set to be released before the winter holidays, but were held back by CEO Bobby Kotick as they could make the company's workplace issues seem bigger than already known. And you know what? Let me just point out, right? Yeah. Activision Blizzard, right? Bobby Kotick, embarrassed, ashamed, concerned at the idea that his company fired bad, harmful people. And yet thrilled to announce when hundreds of workers who did nothing wrong are let go. Yeah. The thing about this is it feels like announcing this would be a great PR move for the company is, you know, it shows they're doing house cleaning, but the fact that they're hiding it is like, oh, you want to pretend this ain't happening? It would be a good PR move for us, for ordinary customers, uh, yeah. it wouldn't be good for the people Bobby Kotick cares about. Yeah. The investors and, you know, basically, yeah, the wealth class who have no morals, who have no ethics, who have no hearts, who only see the potential damage to revenue, to profit. Yeah. That's where Bobby Kotick's brain operates. He's a billionaire. He's not a person. Yes. They're not people. Yeah. So, to I want to be clear about these statistics. Um, Helene Klasky confirmed that 37 people have exited the company. Does not say fired. Mm -hmm. And a further 44 have been disciplined as part of the company's investigation. No specifics on who or what or which of the allegations we heard about have you know, have had what consequences for the people involved. No, you know, transparency. There is just 37 people don't work here anymore and 44 people got at least a slap of the wrist of some kind. Yeah. It's it's the same thing as taken steps. Like, there is some tangible action, but they are not telling us what that action is. Oh, they've been disciplined. Yeah. Okay, that on its own means fucking nothing. Yeah, the... The update to this is that um, a spokesperson for Activision Blizzard disputed the assertion that Kotick prevented these numbers from releasing uh, and says that 
an interim update to employees is currently still being worked on. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, when Activision says something, I tend to... Well, I can't even suck it. I, I can't bring myself to sarcastically say I tend to believe it. Yeah. I don't believe anything that comes out of an Activision spokesperson's lying mouth of Sauron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the f- there's the kind of more laughable thing that Kotick apparently tried to do. This was amazing. Bobby Kotick considered buying game sites Kotaku and PC Gamer. I bet. Yeah. Well, hey, there was a there was a point at which Kotick could have picked up Kotaku for like a song. That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it it isn't, you know, now when they're actually being sort of okay at holding him to account ish. And this is the point, that, you know, they just, they're not long-term thinkers. It's always quarterly. Yeah. They could have bought Kotaku a few years ago and this would all have been... Yeah, so, so this is a Wall Street Journal report to give him credit. Um, apparently he wanted to change reporting around the company and he thought he could do so by buying media outlets. It's fucking pathetic. Like, this just shows, like... I, I, I said on Twitter about this, like, I guess when you're a billionaire, when you no longer want for anything, low stakes might as well be high stakes, because what what meaning does anything have for you anymore? Um, it's so pathetically petty yeah. to give a shit what Kotaku and PC Gamer is saying about you. And I say this with all due respect to those outlets, they are just game blogs. Yeah. yeah. They are just game blogs at the end of the day. Like, it's pure... That's just ego. Yeah. It, it won't have any material improvement to Activision's PR or, or success. It's just Bobby Kotick doesn't want mean things said on these two blogs. Like, it's just so pathetic. And I want to be really clear about this. The allegation is that this is an incredibly recent uh, thing that went down. Uh, I will read here from the report. Mr. Kotick has been eager to change the public narrative about the company, and in recent weeks has suggested Activision Blizzard make some kind of acquisition, including the gaming trade publications like Kotaku and PC Gamer, according to people familiar with, with him. Recent weeks? Jesus Christ. Yes, we are talking like in t- probably in 2022. Wow. This is probably this year going, oh, I could probably fix this by buying a Kotaku. By throwing more money around. I could just buy Kotaku today and fix this, right? Money means nothing to me. I can just yeah. bury my problems with it. Oh. Even problems that really don't matter compared to the real grave shit happening at my company. Like, Kotaku reporting negatively about anyone. (laughs) Like, certainly any company... Yeah. ...is not a problem for that company. Unless they are so petty fucking minded. What a little man he is. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. Bobby Kotick is, may, may be an almighty billionaire, but he is a little man. Yes. We're nearly to the end of this, this Activision Blizzard stuff. Um, I did want to take a little bit of this episode before we wrap up to talk a little bit about some of the a better ABK and striking Activision Blizzard worker 
response to this, and we might come back to this later with, with a bit more detail, but to do a little sort of cursory discussion today. Workers at Activision Blizzard, particularly those working in QA, particularly those on strike, particularly those at the heart of the current strike action and union action, worry that they're going to be swept under the rug by this. Yeah. Uh, their response has not been to in any way ease up their push for continued strike action, their move towards unionization. None of that has slowed down. They are not looking at this and going, ah, we're being bought by Microsoft, we're saved. Yeah. Good. If anything, like, it's perfectly reasonable for them to want to step up, like, step it up. Yes, indeed. Particularly, like, I the the... <sighs> The impression I'm getting from speaking to people is that this only makes them want to make sure union stuff is done ideally before the merger goes through. Mm -hmm. So that they, from day one, have that going. So that they're not having to start over from scratch with new management. Reading from uh, the, the Twitter of uh, Rebel Comic Nerd, uh, Kate, Kate Anderson, ABK Workers Alliance will still be advocating for employees no matter who our leadership is. Whether it's Bobby Kotick or Phil Spencer, we will keep addressing the issues that we see within the gaming industry. And that is important. They link to a tweet from Jason Schreier that talks about some further sentiments from Activision Blizzard employees, which suggests that the, that what Schreier has heard is probably accurate if it's being shared by Activision Blizzard employees. There is some optimism about management changes and that there could be positive culture um, because several Xbox-owned studios do currently have things going a lot better than Activision Blizzard does. There is a lot of fury towards Microsoft for giving Bobby Kotick a big payday and a soft exit, which there's probably no way of getting around, but they're very frustrated with. I can, under I can understand the frustration. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you're getting rid of him, and 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 you were never going to get that money. No, they're not saying it is a practical problem, no. just this is the feelings of these people, and that's fair. Yep, it's totally fair. And determination to keep organising, which I can mirror, that is what I've been hearing. The other one I will read from is specifically a, an update from A Better ABK. The news of Activision's acquisition by Microsoft is surprising, but doesn't change the goals of the ABK Workers' Alliance. We remain committed to fighting for workplace improvements and the rights of our employees, regardless of who's financially in control of the company. We will continue to work alongside our allies across the gaming industry to push a measurable change in the industry that desperately needs it. We called for the removal of Bobby Kotick as CEO in November for shielding abusers, and he still remains CEO as of this writing. The strike for Raven QA is in its fifth week, and our striking staff has still not received responses from leadership regarding our request to negotiate. And finally, three out of our four original collective demands to improve the conditions of women in the workplace have not been met. Whatever leadership structure of the company, we will continue our push to end abuse in gaming and appreciate the continued outpouring of support we've experienced. So yeah, this ain't over, and continue to support striking workers. Mm -hmm. Stand behind them. Yep. Yep. Uh, did did we have anything else on Activision Blizzard we wanted to say before we start moving on to the last little other bits? I think that covers it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we we got we got two other things before we finish up. Steph, do you want do you want to do you want to talk about being newsworthy now, or do you want to do you want to finish on that? Uh, I'll talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's made some headlines. There's been some. Uh, yeah, I I didn't expect it to be a that big of a thing, but yeah, being turned into an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it does to a certain extent feel inevitable. Oh, I knew this was happening. I said this to Steph when I heard. It's like, it's bad it happened. I'm honestly surprised it didn't have happen at yes. least six months ago. I'm surprised it took this long. Like, I had someone threaten it already. Like, I'm going to yeah. steal your identity and turn it into an NFT because you make generalizations about NFTs. So I'm going to, like, do the thing that proves your generalizations right. Um, they eventually like played it off as joking and deleted the tweet when, you know, I responded and then others did. But, yeah, I was informed um, sort of around the weekend that my uh, basically my channel had been minted and put on OpenSea. Yeah. And it appears what they've done is no, they've done it to me, they've done it to Kid Icarus, and they've done it to Alana Pierce as well. So it's like basically three of us were the ones that got here. It appears what they've done and the NFTs being the vague bullshit they are, we can only talk about what it appears to be. Uh, they have taken my image, my likeness, and put it on a digital trading card that it, so it looks a bit like a Steam trading card. And the 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 NFT, like the code, like points is it's just a URL to my YouTube channel. Yeah. So there are three things they are giving the potential illusion of selling. Either a trading card of me, my channel, or me. <laughs> Either way, it's asserting or like pretending to assert ownership of me. Well, but then, and what happens if you change any of the branding elements on your channel in relationship to this NFT? Yeah. Like, are they buying a time capsule moment in history ultimately? Well, no, see, I'll, I'll tell you what it means. All you would need to do to break this NFT is change your channel URL by one digit. Yeah. And it now points to nothing. Like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's probably not worth doing, but like, yeah. No. It's intangible. It's, it's, yeah. It's nothing. I mean, if I changed the branding, the exact same thing would happen as if I didn't, which is this would still be a worthless piece <laughs> of shit. It would be a very expensive receipt that says that YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's grotesque. I, I, you know, I knew it was going to happen eventually. But as gross as it is, it just went ahead and justified everything I've been saying about NFTs up to this point, about how disrespectful they are, about how shady they are, about how they steal yeah. people's work and profit off it while, you know, while contributing nothing to that labor. Of note, I want to note, like, one of the other people who had this happen around the same time as you had a really fucking gross thing happen with theirs. This would have been Alana, yeah. 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 Uh, Alana Pierce uh, had a photo uh, photoshopped to look like it was on a porn outlet, and then that made into an NFT. Like, these people are fucking gross. They're disgusting, gross fuckers. Pure lack of respect for anyone or anything that isn't a potential investment. Yeah. And as validating of my arguments as I find this process, it's violating. Yeah. It it feels violating to not just have myself stolen and profited on without my consent but to see it used for something that's so antithetical to the work being exploited. Mm -hmm. 
it is a violation of my work and as someone who puts themselves into their work as much as I do it's a violation of me yeah a complete disrespect and a complete lack of concern for the consent of of a content creator because yeah. because they don't give a shit they don't give a shit and yeah so that that was the thing it was you know um I was among a, a small number of YouTubers and the content creators who essentially has been a, a victim of of minting. Yeah, is that the new online prank? You've been minted. Yeah, it 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 it's disgusting. It feels gross. Uh, so yeah, that's that's that. And honestly, I I I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again because I think this one was like impersonal i'm still waiting for the ones who are going to do it out of spite yeah 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 this was just profiteering or an attempt at it but yeah like certainly the 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 one putting alana on the the porn one was yeah that that was extra spite on top um so yeah yeah uh all this has done is demonstrate what i've been saying about nfts this is not a gotcha or an own on me. No. Because I knew this was coming. Because yeah. it doesn't... It's it's not an own on me, because as much as they want to assert it, it's not ownership. Yeah. That you don't have my channel, you don't have my work, you don't have me. All you have done is demonstrate everything I said about how scummy your shitty little economy is. Harumph. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The only other thing I was going to throw on, and I'm not going to go into into depth on it, but I'm I might talk about it in future again at some point. Nintendo continues to have its fucking problem with every single AAA game they release leaking like one to two weeks early. Yep. Yeah. Their new Pokemon Legends Arceus just completely available and playable on the internet a week and a half early. I love those assets you were showing me. <laughs> there, there sure are some things floating about online, huh? Yeah. Here's what I will say. We're going to get to a point where this stops being newsworthy and is just the state of being. Yeah. And I want to very briefly mention why that is. Because the short version, there is a physical hardware vulnerability with the original launch day switch that makes it incredibly easy to hack and incredibly easy to to create pirated ROMs using. And fundamentally, like, they they redesigned the Switch six months in so they didn't have that vulnerability, but until they make a Switch successor or Switch upgrade that has games that do not run on the original day one Switch, there is literally nothing they can do about this. And it's becoming increasingly apparent that this is just going to be the thing, a thing for the rest of this generation for Nintendo is that their games are going to reliably be playable for people who are willing to steal them ahead of their official release. Yeah. And that that is not a surprising thing because they have zero way to stop it. And I genuinely feel like it's hit a tipping point where this is going to be every single Nintendo release now. Yeah. That, like, if you are someone who wants to go in spoiler-free on Nintendo games, you are going to have to assume they're going to leak and set up mute words on social media around them. Like, mm-hmm. that is going to be the way going forward, and 
No sympathy. No, I, I'm not saying I'm sympathetic. I've got no sympathy. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah. Now, this is really, like, like I mean, every time, like, Laura regularly messages me um, about, like, listeners, um, she regularly messages me um, with, like, her latest discoveries of of this kind of stuff, and I'm creasing up every time. It's so ridiculous. I, I want to at some point write something in depth about the whole mess of the situation Nintendo's in, because, like, I'm, I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put it this way. This is how I will summarize the state of Nintendo having all its games leaked. Right now, the most effective defense that is slowing down leaks of their games is nothing to do with Nintendo, and it is purely community infighting over who gets to be the one <laughs> to get popular for leaking a game, but also not wanting to risk being the one to upload the game. That infighting is doing more to slow down people leaking these games than anything Nintendo is doing. Brilliant. And that is a baffling situation for Nintendo to be in. Like, I I, I bring up Legends Arceus specifically because that game has not had a single hands-on press preview. Not, not a single hands-on by press has been made public. Ten days before that game comes out, and there are people doing full playthroughs on Twitch right now. Fuck, man. Like... That is a situation where, at the very least, what I feel Nintendo has to do is get review code out to reviewers earlier, so that at the very least they, you know, official hands-on from press is out there before the public playing around with it, because I do not think there would be nearly so much demand for this early leaked version if people had any idea what the fuck this game was, because this game has been shrouded in secrecy so close to its release. What feels like it was a method to try and avoid leaks has just made people all the more fucking fervent desiring the leaked game. If you put out, like, something that officially formally told people what this game was, there'd be a lot less people, like, breaking down the doors trying to download early copies today. And Nintendo fundamentally, I think, needs to... Needs to think about that. Yeah. And God knows, what can they do? What can they do? I mean... The only thing they can do is make it so future games are unplayable on first-run systems, which they can't do, because that is a business practice that, you know, class-action suits would be had over. Having sat around watching a bunch of How Today has played out, I genuinely think if Nintendo had... I can tell you what Nintendo would have had to do to really calm down the audience on this. What do the three starters evolve into so that people can decide what starter they want to use? And here is a trailer that actually explains what the the, the gameplay mechanics are and what the gameplay looks like. Like, maybe a hands-on that says, this is, is, is it fun or not to play? Because most of the people, like, salivating to see these leaks today were people who just wanted to know what this game actually was, because there's not a single hands-on preview of it ten days out. Fucking hell. Like, give people information and they'll be a lot less desperate to fucking kick down the door of the first person they see as seen one break street date. There'll be some. There will be, you know... Yeah. The, the, the leaks are the leaks are the leaks. Like, it's just gonna happen, but... Them, like, doing the whole secret closet of mystery thing around it does not help. No, in this case, I think they have actively encouraged a lot more people to look into leaking and piracy on this one. Yeah. Because so little is known and people are so desperate for any information about a ambitious-looking 
new Pokemon game that they know nothing about. That of course, if they hear it's available to play, they're gonna go find it mm-hmm. and learn learn how to make it work and work. Like I think a lot of, from what I've seen today, a lot of people who this morning did not know how to pirate Nintendo games have made an excuse about learning to do it today. And Nintendo ain't helping themselves. They might learn that the last Pokemon release actually runs at a higher frame rate in its emulated form. I still can't get over that. Yeah. Amazing. That is still kind of kind of fucking mind-blowing. Oh, huh? oh god, fucking incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, at some point I wanted to go more in depth and if this hadn't been such an Activision Blizzard heavy week I would have maybe talked about it, but um yeah. yeah, that new Pokemon game much like many recent Nintendo releases sure is available. And if you want to know what the core gameplay loop of that game that's out in 10 days is, there's people there's people doing big spoilers. Like, that, 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 that core gameplay loop is now known. Not from Nintendo or the press, but it's known. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it for this week. I think I'm, I'm good. I'm all talked out. I'm, t- I'm tuckered. Yeah. 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 We, we done... Did a did a big one this 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 one did a big one, but uh, the work never stops, Laura. Yeah, especially when the worker's name is Laura K. Buzz, one of the hardest workers I know. Ah, oh. in fact, ah oh, fuck. Is there any other work you'd like to tell the listener about? Well, I mean, the main one is Who Hunts the Whale. I've been talking about it for a while. It's that book about the video game industry that I've been writing with my wife. All the more relevant than ever as the days go on. A book about mm. a big AAA corporation that is sucking all of the um, positivity out of video games through their terrible business practices. Um, if you want to go support that, uh, who hunts the whale? Uh, it's on. It's on Unbound. We're real, real, real close to hitting our funding goal. So really close, getting there. Yeah, we're we're, we're coming up on ninety percent. We're real close. So go do it. Support if you are interested and are able, you can get a signed copy or some fictional uh, AAA company swag, stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to that swag myself. Oh, I am excited for that swag bundle. That swag... Get some some fake supremacy software tat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the main one. Otherwise, just Laura K. Buzz everywhere. What are you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com or go hear me talk about snacks on Let's Talk About Snacks wherever podcasts are found. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Hell yeah. Oh, fuck. That was going to be my first guess. Hell yeah. Well, you'd have got it right on the nose, Laura, because it's patreon.com slash jimquisition. That supports this, that, and the other. Um, you throw some money at it if you want. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I also stream at twitch.tv slash jimsterling. Um, I have obviously been low on streams since the move, 
tried to do it twice this week, having a little bit of teething trouble uh, at the new location, but I'm hoping to I'm hoping to get at least one out this week and then get back to something more regular. Uh, and that's that. I will have news in the near future on Commander Sterling's UK appearances, hopefully. Um, yeah, I've already got my promo cut for the company I should be debuting with, and then we'll see what happens from there. And that's that. Uh, we will see you next week. God knows what will happen between now and then i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about until then take care goodbye bye bye